When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwatz, and I keep the countdown coming because we are two weeks away from the start of Pittsburgh Penguins training camp. I will be live on scene at Penguins training camp, at least for the first couple of days. But in two weeks from today, I'll be at UPMC Lemieux 66 Complex to watch 57 players open up training camp on September 22nd. Horwat, it's almost that time. We're seeing an uptick in hockey stories. How excited are you that September is here? It's exciting. Football's today too. Let's not let's not forget. Yes, There's it a is. lot of stuff going on. September's always a good month for sports. Baseball's ramping up. Football is back. Hockey is ramping up. Um, and basketball, I guess, is doing their thing. I don't know. Uh, people are demanding trades and not getting them. People are making way too much money. Hey, you know what? That's basketball. But hockey is mm-hmm. coming back. And you're looking at those. I was looking for the dates that you said. Training camps start. The rookie camp is on the 15th. Ah, uh, that's that's my slow week. I work like 14 straight days in the, at the end of the month, so I'll see what I can do about <laughs> getting up to camp. Maybe I'll call a day to, day or two off to squeeze up mm. there as well, hang out, see some see some Penguins camp because uh, it's going to be an exciting camp this year. We'll discuss in a moment here why it's going to be, but man, it's going to be an exciting season. It's a lot of the same players, but also a lot of new faces that could make differences and could be a driving factor for this team. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an exciting time for the Pittsburgh Penguins, for everybody across the National Hockey League. And I trust me, I get you on the busy part. I, I think everybody understands that at this time of the year, everybody gets pretty busy. So uh, we'll figure things out as it goes along. But we have a lot to talk about today because Penguins did announce their rosters. as We were talking on Monday saying, hopefully we get some rosters soon here for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, they have announced them. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about which players we believe will make the biggest jumps at this year's training camp, or at least the players in position to do so. That Finally getting to that segment, even though we planned on doing it basically in mid-August. But good to have a roster now to do it. We'll talk about the national TV schedule because that was released yesterday. And then we'll finish this off with our shout-outs and call-outs. But let's start with training camp because the Penguins announced the rosters. The highlights of these these rosters right now, to me, Owen Pickering on both rosters. We'll get to see him in his first professional training camp. Philip Hollander being in the rookie camp is a little bit of a surprise to me. I understand he's technically 
still a rookie, but he's definitely going to be the leader of that group. And then Jack St. Ivany, a defenseman from Boston College, also went to Yale. We're going to get to see him for the first time in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform because he was signed after rookie development camp that occurred in June. So a couple of guys that I'm very excited for that those three in rookie camp that starts in a week, but then training camp starts a week later with 57 players, including 30 forwards, 21 defensemen, and six goaltenders. So Horwat, let's get into it. Which players do you think are going to make the biggest jump at training camp? Let's start with one each and let's do it that way. Starting with one each. Okay. Uh, Cause I had a couple written down, uh, I'm going to start with uh, one that might be a little bit off the wall. I'm going to say P.O. Joseph, and it's not for the reason you're expecting, not for the reason of he's going to work his butt off and make the team. I'm going to say his presence and just how good he is is going to force other defensemen in this logjam to also step their game up. So just his presence and him being there is going to force guys – the. the middling guys who were thinking ah, maybe they make the roster, maybe they don't, maybe they get pushed out by P.O. Joseph. Guys like a Jan Ruda, a Chad Ruedel, or uh, Sam Smith, Ty Smith. I'm So I'm expecting just P.O. Joseph's presence to have an effect on all four of those guys, or three of those guys, and have them improve their game. So expect our depth of defense to look pretty good in camp if they are all mentally aware of what's going on with each of their positions mm-hmm. not that they're all certain i mean jan root is probably going to make the lineup anyway but that last spot uh, it's, it's going to be a battle all th- and yeah. those three guys can really battle for it and po joseph being there and the, he's the guy that we all want to be in this lineup day to day day in and day out mm-hmm. he's gonna have that uh not veteran presence there but he's going to have the presence of it's his turn now Mm -hmm. everyone else needs to be better than him Mm -hmm. which is a good problem to have I had uh, P.O. Joseph on my list as well, and I I think for people that want to see the Penguins get a little bit younger, there is obviously that competition for the third defense pairing left side between Joseph, Ty Smith, who's recently acquired, I'm excited to watch him play, and also... Mark Friedman's in there as well. Uh, we don't we don't know if Chad Ruedel is going to be good. There's so many things that could happen with there. But I would think going into it, especially if the Penguins are okay with demoting Chad Ruedel, as it were, back to a, a healthy scratch in a seventh defenseman role, if they end up doing that, then you're going to see, in my opinion, one of Ty Smith or P.O. Joseph. I do think, though, going into the season that P.O. Joseph does have just a leg up on on the, the grouping there because he is young. He's 23 years old. He has been in this system since 2019. He has been at the NHL level, has played with some of these guys like Latang. He has played in, in lineups with Dumoulin. He's never really played with Dumoulin. But uh, the thing that I'm going to watch with P.O. Joseph is he's going to have to play better than a guy like Mark Friedman, because that is the preliminary guy that he's going to be going up against. And let's not forget, there is an opportunity that Chad Ruedel outperforms all three of those guys I mentioned in Friedman, uh, P.O. Joseph, and Ty Smith. And all of a sudden they say, you know what? Jan Ruda is going to play his off wing to let Chad Ruedel back into the lineup. And, and let's not lie, that's going to that would be a very good bottom pairing, specifically on the defensive side. It's not going to do much in ways... Uh, of transitioning into the offensive side, but there's so many things that could happen 
with the Penguins' bottom pairing. And I agree with you, P.O. Joseph is going to be a guy that I'm circling as somebody who has the opportunity to go out there, impress people, and earn an everyday spot in this lineup. Yeah, and like I said, I think he has his ability that he doesn't have to, well, he does have to work hard, but he doesn't have to work harder than a lot of people because of the stature he has in this organization. He's got to outplay them for sure and prove that he is better, mm-hmm. yes. But he doesn't have to go above and beyond like a Ty, like I'm saying, like a Ty Smith see, will have to do or a Mark Friedman. See, I, I disagree on, on that point, and, and, and I get where you're coming from with it, but but I do also see the fact that guys like Friedman, guy like uh, Ty Smith, Jan Ruda, they're all players that were brought in by Ron Hextall and his regime, and, and at the end of the day, they're the ones making the decisions alongside what... According to Elliot Friedman, is the highest paid coach now in the National Hockey League, or at least one of the top two highest paid coaches in the National Hockey League, and Mike Sullivan. But I do think that Joseph, he's gonna have to go above and beyond to get that spot because he has a lot to prove because he hasn't been at that level. Whereas those other guys all have played extensive NHL time. Now that I'm thinking back on it, Mike Sullivan did talk about the defensive core, and he mentioned, I mean, he mentioned by name all the new guys. Petrie, who's going to add size, grit, and weight, and Mm -hmm. uh, puck-moving ability to this team. Um, Jan Ruda, who's going to probably get locked up on the penalty kill, which is kind of nice. Shut shut people down. It's hard to play against. And Ty Smith, who he's expecting to have a bright future. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that he... You know, he's talking about the moves Hextall made, so he's not going to talk about P.O. Joseph, but he talked extremely highly of those three defensemen right there. And then... Uh, like I said, not not leaving P.O. Joseph in the, in the rafters, but um, he's expecting great things from the new guys. So you never know. I'm excited to see what Rian Ruta can do. I think he's the. I think he is certain to make the roster. Yeah, you don't sign a guy to that contract if you're not going to play him in the opening night. Exactly. So I'm excited to see what he can do in training camp and then the beginning of the season. Um, but I am still interested in the reclamation project of Ty Smith and see what Todd Reardon yeah. could do with him and see how things could work out in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but P.O. Joseph, I think he's going to make noise, and like I said from the beginning of this, he's going to force everyone around him to be better as well. They're all going to be at the top of their game at all times because they can all flip in and out of this lineup like that. So. There's two players that are going to be sent down. Two defensemen exactly. of nine NHL caliber defensemen. And Joseph is going to push for that spot. Like I, I'm not saying he, he's guaranteed that spot. And neither is Ty Smith. Both of them are probably the two guys that are most likely to be sent down just because of their age and their contracts. But it, it, it's going to be an interesting situation on the Penguins' blue line. And with that, I want to give you, you my first real guy. I mean, obviously I had Joseph on my list as well. But you mentioned him, Jeff Petrie. His offensive ability, I think, is going to surprise some people because when people hear, oh, Jeff Petrie's an offensive defenseman, but he has size, I think people are going to be surprised with just how good he is with the puck on his stick. I know it's not going to be like Mike Matheson, who was basically a stick of dynamite every time he touched the puck, and sometimes it blew up in the Penguins' faces, but Jeff Petrie is going to be extremely talented on the offensive side of the puck. And I think the pairing with him and Pedersen is going to be great, but you're going to get to see early on in camp just how good Jeff Petrie is with the puck on his stick. And I'm excited to watch it. You sh- and, and, and rightfully so. Everyone should be excited to watch it. I'm kind of trying to flip back here and see. I mean, I'm at three years in a row now where he led, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, it's the Montreal Canadiens, but led the Canadiens defenseman in points. Um, as a matter of fact, in the, I think it was the 2021 season, yeah, 2020, 2021 season, 
Um, he was second on the team. Again, not a good team, but that's the team that went to the cup final. He was second on the team in scoring with 42 points in 55 games. 12 goals, 30 assists behind only Tyler Toffoli. Mm-hmm. So he is a puck mover, and he has more offensive ability than we than any of us have given him credit for. And he's more offensive ability than anyone has talked about since we got him. The mm-hmm. only thing we've discussed with um, Jeff Petrie so far, we have to remember he's doing this also now that I'm looking, on teams with Shea Weber on them. For the most part, other than last season. Yeah, yeah. he's outscored Shea Weber every year, his own teammate, which mm-hmm. is kind of impressive um, considering – Everyone always looks at Shea Weber as, what, one of the top offensive defensemen somehow. I never really saw it that way, but that slap shot will do things for your talk of (laughs) offensive defensemen. That being said, Jeff Petrie is very sneaky good at moving the puck because it is a lot of assists Mm -hmm. and scoring goals when he needs to. I mean, like I said, leading your team in defensive points, no matter the team, good or bad, is a good start, so... We haven't discussed that enough. We've all, all we've talked about is his size and his strength and his stature on the ice. He's 6'3", 201. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. That's going to be the discussion. Uh, but it's also well-deserving that we discuss his uh, puck-moving ability and his offensive play as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to see Jeff Petrie and the early returns because, like I said, I'm only going to be there for the first three days, so I'm not going to get to see too very much, but early returns – on that pairing with him and Pedersen, who we expect him to slot in with. Uh, Forward-wise, uh, there is one, and and I'm going to shoot a real quick one at you because I, I think you're going to definitely have this guy on your list as well. Obviously, there's new guys like a guy like Lucas Svedkovsky that's going to come in, but Sam Poulan has yet to play an NHL game, yet he is a veteran at Pittsburgh Penguins training camp, heading into his fourth training camp with the Pens. He ended last season on a hot streak. There was a switch flipped, as we've talked about, all throughout the summer, and he became a different player. Forechecking menace, backchecking menace, physical down low, good with the puck and protecting the puck on the boards, specifically behind the net in the offensive zone. I want to see what that compete level looks like against NHL-caliber players. I want to see what that compete level looks like against the guys that are set to make the 23-man roster out of camp. I'm excited to see him. I don't think he's going to make a spot on this lineup, but I think the thoughts and the entire narrative surrounding Sam Poulan can really change during this training camp because even though he had a really good end of the season in Wilkes-Barre and Nick Hart a couple weeks ago on Penguins Lunch stated as much and he said that's one of the biggest reasons that Wilkes-Barre turned it around and made it to the postseason, it doesn't really translate to a lot of Pittsburgh fans until you see it either at Lemieux Complex or at PPG Paints Arena. So I think a lot of people are going to be surprised in what they see from Sam Poulin if he's able to carry over that success that he found at the end of last season, that confidence that he was able to find in the training camp here in a couple weeks. I Yeah, he's definitely a guy I had on my list as well. He's he's It's almost as if he's due. I think we may have said that last year too. Mm-hmm. But it is almost as if he's for real due, much like Pio Joseph, where, hey, we've been talking about this kid breaking in for excuse me, a long time now, eventually it has to come, and it has to be now. Because if it is not now, it is not ever. Not saying Poulin doesn't have, at least, wouldn't at least have another chance. He's at least, you know, has he doesn't have that NHL experience yet, whereas P.O. Joseph we saw come up and then immediately get sent back down, and that kind of hurts his status as an NHL player throughout the league. 
Whereas Pula and it's, hey, he's still a project that might flesh into something. We just haven't seen it at the top level yet. Mm-hmm. So it is as if he is due, and he's got a great chance to, like you said, maybe not crack the opening night roster, but make his name really known to this organization and to this fan base finally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know it's not the biggest thing in the world, but when you're the sole Penguins representative at a uh, rookie showcase that speaks for something that means that the team is aware that you are a guy you are the guy in certain stance i mean who else are they gonna i mean really who else are the penguins gonna send right now i mean owen pickering but they don't expect him to play for a while so yeah and plus it's a upper deck thing so there's promo hockey card stuff going i don't know but there are he's that shows something that hey the Mm -hmm. penguins are aware that this guy could crack the lineup this year Mm -hmm. why not really take a look at him and watch him closely to see what he can do. I'm excited to see what he does. And plus, he's got multiple chances. He's got the rookie camp, that rookie game, and then the professional training camp. He's going to have eyes on him for quite a while. And then then preseason games, obviously. Um, He's got all the chances in the world to really make some noise this this training camp as we turn from summer to fall, and I'm excited to see what he can do. We're kind of running short on time here, and we have plenty to talk about when it comes to the opening of Penguins training camp, but I want to give you the chance to quickly give one more player that you think has the opportunity to make a big jump at Penguins training camp this year, because I kind of took over in the middle of that segment You're there. perfectly I okay. I honestly didn't have too many other names. I The okay. only other person I could genuinely even maybe toss a name out would be any of the other forward call-ups that we had last year that maybe didn't okay. get full, full runs. Uh, you know, that goes... To, I don't know. I, mean, I don't even remember names now. Pustin, Sveshovsky, if he even played, which I don't think he did. I just kind of shot names out. You know what I mean, though? Those guys mm-hmm. that were called up for a game. Maybe Drew O'Connor makes some noise because he's going to be in and around the lineup. We, he already we already has his NHL experience, but needs to take that step. Um, so I'm going to make my final answer a little broad and just say any of those guys that were called up, they played a game or two, maybe three and then we're sent back down not to see the NHL again because they're the ones that the organization is aware of. They're the, mm-hmm. they're supposed to be the, the fun future of this organization. Mm-hmm. Now, why not give them their shot again? It is their turn to make some noise. There are a lot of players that are on that last roster spot, first call-up kind of bubble, and they're all going to be jockeying for position from the get-go at Penguins training camp. You mentioned Drew O'Connor. Uh, another name on that list is Ryan Paling, even though I think that he has a leg up on the on the rest of the group. Um, but I mean, there, there's guys like Archibald Kajula who just got brought back, who just got brought in. Zahorna is a guy you didn't mention. There's a lot of names of guys that have the opportunity to really improve their standing and set out and flesh out the pecking order for if someone goes down, what's the order of operations here? Who's the first guy the Penguins turn to in Ron Hextall? That's going to be determined at training camp, at least a large portion of that. Obviously, success once they get to Wilkes-Barre is also important in how they're playing at the time, but this is the chance for them to impress in person, and that's a huge thing for these young guys. I mean, Philip Hollander is another name there as well. Uh, Lucas Vetkovsky, heading into his first season with Wilkes-Barre, has yet to play a professional hockey game, but he will be on that uh, on that list of players that have a chance to really get their name into that rotation. So I'm excited to see all of these guys. We have plenty to talk about about training camp. We'll continue to do that for the next two weeks as we get set for that first practice and rookie camp that starts in just seven days. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, 
The national TV schedule is out. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about TNT, ABC, ESPN, all the acronyms right after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're getting ready for the NHL season as it is just over a month away, October 13th, of course, Game 1 against the Arizona Coyotes. But the NHL schedule has been released, at least the national broadcasting schedule was just released. And how about them Pittsburgh Penguins, Horwath? How about the Pens? 15 times on national television, and that could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you view the national TV markets. But they do tie for the lead in nationally televised games with 15 in 2022-23. Two of them will be on ESPN, six of them on ABC, and seven of them will be joining Wayne Gretzky, Paul Bissonette, Liam McHugh, and the boys over at NHL on TNT. Horwat, does this mean anything, first of all, to you? And secondly, and we'll get into that later, does this mean anything to you? No, not really. It's <laughs> cool you guys are playing hockey. That's fun. It's cool and good that the Penguins are still recognized as a money-making organization for this league. Yeah, Sidney Crosby is still a face. I know the NHL just tweeted out that, uh, or maybe it was last night. The... Uh, the amount of times each team plays on an, on the national stage, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, yeah, the Penguins, 15. Sidney Crosby can still do that. The Rangers, the young, there it is. You pulled it up the same time as me. <laughs> the Rangers, still that uh, young and up-and-coming team. How about Connor McDavid and the Oilers getting 14? How about the Red Wings getting 14? Maybe that's just because it's a big market in Detroit uh, and they have a lot of pull, so that'll happen. Um, but you look around this, these other teams, Minnesota, young and up and coming. Chicago, yeah, big market. Yeah, you got 14. Well, uh, the thing that confuses me a little bit about this, when I look at it, okay, Detroit, up and coming team, but okay, original six team. Boston, original six team, 14. Chicago, 14. They're not a good team. Why do the Montreal Canadiens, and I know that they're not going to be a good, I know that... Their Canadian team, which means they're going to be on Hockey Night in Canada probably most most Saturdays out of the year, but zero nationally televised games in the United States, that's that's pretty bad. Like, I'll talk about the, the intelligence of putting the Penguins on 15 times, but that is that is awful that you have an original six team, basically the one of the first successes in the NHL in the Montreal Canadiens, a young team that should have a lot of fun talent, zero times like there should not be zero times for them one time for winnipeg two times for what are we doing so yeah there i there's some good reasoning for not good reasoning there's reasoning for it i feel like because you're right they're going to get their canadian national broadcasts pretty much every game they're yeah. going to be on hockey night in canada pretty much every week and this is the u.s national the united states national games 
Because you also have to look at the rest of the Canadian teams. The Flames have four, and they just had a really good season. The Oilers have 14. I'll get into that in a minute. Canadians have none. The Jets have one. The Leafs have 11. Um, and the Canucks have two. Senators have one. Um, and because I look at it this way, because this is the United States national TV games, mm-hmm. the United States hockey is still trying to grow its footprint in the United States. So you're going to put the most entertaining Canadian team or player in Connor McDavid and the Oilers on the most for Canada. Mm-hmm. You're not going to put on the very bad Montreal Canadiens and watch them suck it up for for three periods. You're going to put on the entertaining Leafs for 11 games. You know, you're not going to put on the Ottawa Senators who are growing and trying to figure things out or the Jets who are... Duh, who knows? There are question marks surrounding certain organizations. I think that's why it makes sense that the Oilers got 14 for the United States and the Canadians have zero because the Canadians don't need any more growth in Canada. And they, Canada already knows who the Montreal Canadiens are. Universities teach classes and courses on their religion. Mm-hmm. It's different. Whereas, like I said, you're growing the game in America still. So you're going to put on all the American yeah. teams, the big markets like Chicago, despite how bad they are. Like New York because they're a growing team. Like Pittsburgh because they have the biggest name in United States hockey probably still. And then if you're trying to grow it in Canada, grow it and show that they're still Canadian teams, put on Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. That's just the way it rolls. It's the money-making system, baby. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. The only pushback that I have with that, I, I understand why the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean, they have two Hart Trophy winners. in the pe- Like, I think they have all the Hart Trophy winners in the past three seasons on those two rosters. I get it. Like, I understand that. But you can't tell me that if you're trying to grow hockey, it's better to not put on... A, the, the Ottawa Senators got one game. Claude Giroux, Alex Dabrinkit, I mean... They're, they're going to be a fun Brady team. Brady Kachuk, they're a fun team. You cannot tell me that that would create l- less fandom than watching the San Jose Sharks 10 times on national television. Like, come on. Like, th- that's the thing. A- and here, here's the thing. They're not going to be perfect. And like I mentioned last year with all of my criticisms of ESPN, of TNT, it was their first year back in a decade and a half. They're going to have to figure some things out. And they did. Hence the reason. And listen, I know it's a Penguins show. We're going to pump the Penguins tires a little bit. But let's not lie. The probably best two TV markets in the United States are Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Which is why a young Buffalo Sabres team that has not won anything in almost a decade and a half has 12 nationally televised games. Because that's where the markets get the biggest share. So understandably, that's where those games are going to end up going. And then, of course, good teams get games as well. Hence the reason, you know, Minnesota up and coming, all that stuff we discussed. But again, 10 nationally televised games for the San Jose Sharks and zero for the Montreal Canadiens, a team with Cole Caulfield, a team that eventually will get Lucas, uh, sorry, not Lucas Fedkovsky. That would be the Penguins. Uh, we'll get, why can't I think of the kid's name? First overall pick this year. And it's just completely escaping Jiraj- my mind. Slavkovsky, Uri Slavkovsky. Thank, thank you so so much for reminding me. I don't know why that just escaped I me. I had to completely. write it in that story yesterday and did not know how to spell <laughs> either name and had to like quadruple check it. Yeah. So, but still, like you cannot tell me that that that's the thing. And and there's going to be things that they do wrong at the national level, and there's going to be things that they do right. One thing that they're doing right is the fact that they're no longer having 
ESPN Plus exclusive games this year. Oh, that's good. At least at least the Penguins don't have any. I have to check, but I don't think they're I don't think they're doing the ESPN Plus exclusive games, which means every game can be found on cable television, which that's, is good. That's a good start. What I you do want to see. It'll be simulcast on ESPN Plus, though. I, I will, I'll finish it with that. But it's good because there were so many people that were like, I don't want to get a subscription to watch one game. So it's understandable. I love it because I watch Because you have the subscription. I have the subscription already in the Disney bundle, and I watch all 32 teams if I can. I won't watch the San Jose Sharks, I'll tell you that much. Time to just figure out my streaming situation. Anyway, um, I do. I want to see these numbers again. But mm-hmm. with the with Hockey Night in Canada and the national Canadian broadcasts included to see how fudged the numbers are. Yeah. Because let's just tell it like it is, those Canadians play on Hockey Night in Canada like every weekend. So Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's I think it, this was just like their money making situation. They said Yeah. Biggest names, biggest teams, markets, markets they're gonna be the ones that get the push. You know, mm-hmm. Crosby, McDavid, Matthews, Boston, uh, trying to look for the Chicago. Despite how bad Chicago is, they got 14 games because they're a massive market in an original six team in mm-hmm. the States. Philadelphia has 13. They're terrible. Yeah, they're going to be bad. They're going to be very bad. They've been a mess all summer, and they got 13 games. But mm-hmm. they're one of the biggest cities in the country. So, market. Um, I do still think it'll be entertaining. Uh you're going to see the Canadians on Canadian National Plenty. Going to see the Senators on Canadian National Plenty. Um, and I think it's fun. Also, what I noticed is that the the tweet that the Penguins quote tweeted, uh, I bought merch from that company once. So they're not, I thought it was like from one of the broadcasting places. No, it's no. just from a clothing brand, which is kind of cool. Mm. So the last thing I will say in this entire conversation is – you mentioned the Boston Bruins getting a lot. Actually, I'm going to say two things. One thing really quickly that you don't even have to respond to. We, as a collective, need to push the New Jersey Devils more as an organization. First of all, they have a lot of young talent. They're going to be very entertaining this year. And second of all, they're one of the historic franchises in the National Hockey League. I mean, dating in in the 21st century, they're one of the top franchises. We forget Elias, Brodeur, those teams are so good. And... It's kind of a shame that they get nine games when Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, you know, it's going to be entertaining. And Philly, who has basically nobody besides John Tortorella on that team, and that's going to come back to bite me in the butt, but uh, saying that. But they have nobody basically besides John Tortorella that's really that marketable, and they get 14 games. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that, and they're basically the same market. So that's the kind of thing that, that I look at that needs to be fixed. But the last thing I will leave you with, and we'll discuss briefly. I feel bad for our good buddy, friend of the show, Steve Mears, because he will not get to call a single Boston Bruins versus Pittsburgh Penguins game this year because they will all be nationally televised. All three of them. Oh, that is all three. Okay. Well, you lost one already whenever they went to Fenway. Correct. Uh, and the other two, I mean, that kind of eats it, but... Yeah. Uh... Eh, it's just the honestly just the way the bell tolls sometimes. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. 
when you only play a team three times and one of those times is the winner classic, you're going to understand that that matchup's going to get highlighted throughout the season. So it makes sense, but that was something that, that jumped out to the page. It was like, oh, wow, every single time the Penguins play the Boston Bruins, it's on national television. And and their rivalry games also get two each, I'm pretty sure, on national TV. Twice each, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, twice against the Rangers, twice against the Flyers, and twice against the Caps. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's... Just the way it is. Again, these teams are trying to push for these teams and organizations trying to push for their money. Makes sense. And the Winter Classic should be fun. Winter Being Classic there. should be fun. We'll, we'll we'll have to discuss plenty of stuff with that. Jerseys, rosters, trying to get there potentially. Maybe not. I'm poor. Oh well. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna finish off with shoutouts and callouts. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. He's Horwat. I'm Berlansky. This is shoutouts and callouts. Horwat, what you got? Shoutouts. Uh, hold up, my notes. My notes have up. There we go. All right, I'm shouting okay. out. This is fun. This is not the first time he's done this either. I'm shouting out Sergey Fedorov for pulling his goalie in three on three overtime and winning. <laughs> this is not the first time he's done this. Apparently, it's like the third or fourth, and he's mm-hmm. been successful with it every time. That is called having fun with the game. If, especially when your name is Sergei Fedorov. Mm-hmm. You're already having fun with the game. You are one of the What's best this? Russian players ever. And you're a head coach of this KHL team. They started doing 3-3 three and three as well. And they won the faceoff. And there goes the goalie. And then puck protection. What I want to know is, if you're the team that has three, what do you have to lose of just attacking a little more uh, to get to the loose puck? Because... Sure, Russian hockey is a little different, and I'm sh- I highly doubt they skate back as much as the NHL does in three on three overtime. But I mean, attack the puck, guys! <laughs> attack the puck. But hey, you know what? It worked. They scored and they won. And just big braining hockey is so much fun sometimes, and that was impressive to see. And again, it wasn't the first time he did it, which is even more fun. Teams got to start planning for it now. Every time they play Sergei Fedorov's team, they have, to, they have to figure out, okay, if we go to overtime, we got to have a game plan, and that is win the faceoff, because if not, we're screwed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to do a little brain teaser here based off of that. First of all, what's Sergei Fedorov got to lose? Nobody's going to like tarnish his legacy because he pulled a goaltender at three-on-three as a coach. Uh, I agree with that. Secondly, we're never going to see that at the NHL level. Like We're never going to see somebody do that at the NHL, but... If we did, who would be the first coach to do that, in your opinion? Patrick Waugh was still around, I would say him. <laughs> who, yeah. Who plays with stuff like that? Oh, I have man. two answers. I, I don't know if... Honestly, I don't know. I was going to say whoever's coaching the Ducks just because Trevor Zegers is a ton of fun, but I don't know. Mm. I have two answers, and you let me know what you think. I just First can't think of names, so yes, I'd like actually, to you know what? I have one. I have one answer. I was gonna say John Tortorella, but he is so old and curmudgeonly, he would never do that. He'd he yell. doesn't like three on. He, he doesn't like three on three as it is. Yeah. But the one that actually makes sense, the guy that pulls a goalie more than anybody in the history of the world, John Cooper likes to pull a goalie with eight minutes left in a three goal deficit. He would pull. He would do that. Like if anybody was to, like I said, nobody's gonna do this at the NHL level. But if anybody was to. John Cooper seems to be 
and I don't want to say charisma because he, he has charisma, but he nobody is as I don't know what word I'm looking for here. I mean, I, I'm struggling this morning. Like I said, it's, it's going to be a busy day leading up to the first NFL game, but he is basically that full of himself and that full of his team that, yeah. We could do this. I, it, I'm just going to do it. I could absolutely see, you're right, John Cooper doing that. Uh, it's it's a 2-2 game, Tampa Bay versus, give me a team, Carolina. You know, And then Steven Stamkos flubs the puck. Sebastian Ajo takes it down and banks it into the empty net. John Cooper in his postgame uh, somehow blames the Penguins for, taking, for not taking <laughs> enough penalties. Um, and... Uh, complains that the refs are on the penguins side for uh for mm-hmm. the reason as to why john cooper lost and every pulled his goalie in overtime it is a it's a fun move it's definitely not the smartest let's just be honest it's not the smartest no your first shot no. rebounds the wrong way game over yeah. unless you're sending the goalie back out there which is even more fun but i it's definitely a heady play i just think it's entertaining and it is big raining hockey mm-hmm. yeah so i i I find it great that Sergei Fedorov is the guy that's doing it. I I don't think it's going to be done in the NHL, but if it, if so, probably John Cooper. Um, my shout out it continues with the theme of hockey because hockey's right around the corner. So of course we're going to start talking about shout outs a little bit more. Uh, two Jays, Jack and Jesse, Jay Fresh and Jesse Marshall are continuing to grow on the fact that Jake Gensel is about to go off in 2022-23. Jesse Marshall, friend of the show, posted the player card from Jay Fresh of his projection for 2022-23, and it is, as I pull it up for our YouTube viewers, impressive. 95 projected win or 95 percentile projected wins above replacement. Everything else is really in the 90s, except for first assists and power play. He doesn't play in the penalty kill, so no data available on that. And yeah, defensively, Jake Gensel is an eyesore, but. You know, that's why you play with Sidney Crosby. That's why you play with a guy like Ricard Raquel, who's a little bit better on the defensive side. But I'm expecting Jake Ansel to have a great season. And if his finishing from 75% goes up to the 93rd percentile, he finished at 75th percentile in finishing and had 40 goals. If he goes up to 93rd, this man might have a 50-goal season, which brings me back to the point that we talked about a little bit ago. Is a hundred point season on the table for Jake Gensel this year? I'm gonna it, I'm gonna be very intrigued to watch him and Sid this year duke it out for the number one spot of the Penguins. And if you ask Tyler Kennedy, if Kenny Malkin will be in that race as well. But Jake Gensel, if he lives up to these projections by Jay Fresh, oh my God, is it about to be a very fun season with Wee. the guy from Minnesota slash Nebraska? We just strap in. Leave, please make sure you have all your arms and legs and hands and fingers inside the vehicle at all times. This is going to be a fun ride with Jake Gensel this year if these projections hold up. I love this. Mm-hmm. And especially the fact that like we saw what Gensel, Crosby, and Raquel could be last year. And how much of just a Harlem Globetrotters trio that can become. Him, Crosby, and Rust. Again, maybe not as Harlem Globetrotters but just tried and true and consistent and puts up points and puts up production constantly. Even throw Jason Zucker up there. I don't know if Zucker plays right, but if Zucker plays that right wing with, with Gensel and Crosby, that four checking just havoc that he creates, it's all coming up Millhouse for Jake Gensel, in my opinion. So 
obviously it's going to be a great season. I'm shouting out Jay Fresh and Jesse Marshall for just perpetuating this existing narrative that Jake Gensel's about to go off in 2022-23. It's going to be a great year, uh, according to those two and according to me. I think it's going to be a good year. Like I said, 100 points might be a stretch, but if it's ever been in play, it is this season. Oh, yeah. It's got a great chance for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, Horwat, what is your call out this week? Uh... I want to call out mostly because I just want to know what is going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers organization and their uh, <laughs> and the uh, quarterback situation with the with the depth chart that blew up the internet of uh, hey why is mm-hmm. why is Mason Rudolph the second string and Kenny Pickett's the third? First of all, who cares? They're neither of them are going to play. Does not unless Mitch Trubisky gets hurt for a little while. So who cares? Um, secondly. You're a $4.2 billion organization and you chalk it up to a copy and paste error? Listen, people lose jobs for copy and paste errors. It's called plagiarism, first. Secondly, uh, $4.2 billion. How many eyes read that depth chart before before that went out? Mm-hmm. Come on, there's something more going on there. Uh, I, no one knows what it is. No one's going to know what it is, and that's perfectly okay. But mm-hmm. uh, copy and paste, Tommy. I'm gonna start calling Mike Tomlin Tommy until I don't know the standard becomes more than the standard. That being said, okay. uh, I also it, I just thought it was so it screwed up. I'm gonna say it was screwed up that he just had a copy <laughs> and paste error. Just, just I mean that may have been what it was, but if that's the case. Uh, Somebody got fired. Oh. <laughs> no, because no one checked it. <laughs> yeah, well. If, here's the thing with that, too. Yeah. Like, a clerical error on your depth chart, like, ch- chalking it up to that is, is pretty comical. Secondly, of all the positions to get wrong. Exactly. The quarterback? Exactly. The qu- not only the quarterback, the quarterback position with your first round pick quarterback, you messed that up? Like, come on. Like, that's the clerical error you made, and nobody thought, you know, at the very least, we're going to look at the quarterback thing, because that's only been the thing that people have talked about for 60 straight days. So, I, I thought it was hilarious. I was like, really? Clerical error? Like, are, is that what we're blaming this on? But no, it was comical. Yeah. Very comical. I, I would like to know what actually happened. I don't believe copy and paste for a second. Because, again, how do you not copy-paste, okay, I need to switch these two, boom, boom, done. Takes five seconds. Yeah, does the person that's making that graphic or making that depth chart not watch football? Yeah. Or not pay attention to anything anybody has said? I don't know. It's interesting. I also found it interesting that, uh, who was it? Did Deontay Johnson said that, yeah, at the beginning of camp, we were told Mitch Trubisky was the starter. I guess they didn't tell y'all. Mitch hit said himself, yeah, I was told I was the starter a week ago. I think Mason, yeah. I think Mason and uh, Kenny were also told like weeks ago Mitch, well yeah here's our position the starter yeah yeah um also man don't you just feel bad for mason rudolph everyone at the pittsburgh odyssey office just feels bad for mason rudolph at this point because yeah. i mean he the, can't this string of nonsense since he was drafted had a quarterback who didn't want him there had a quarterback who wouldn't help him and then he gets in gets hit in the head with his own helmet comes back gets concussed to hell and back and then this whole summer yeah, and you completely forgot the whole getting replaced by a guy named Duck. Duck. Uh, season. So, 
Well, you mentioned stuff in that season, but you, you didn't mention Duck, and I always love to mention That's part Duck. of the but list. Either way, <laughs> yeah, it's part of the list. Either way, uh, I'm excited for Steelers football. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game on Sunday against Cincinnati. I'll be going on a different podcast tonight to preview that game. Talk about a little out of the ordinary for me, but uh, I'm taking the Steelers plus the points. I think it'll be close. I don't think the Steelers win, but I'll, I'm, I'll take them plus the points. I'm taking my I think it's like six team. and a half or seven and a half, which is crazy. I'm taking my fantasy team. That's all I know. Hey. Hey, but my, my fantasy team is interesting, for sure. I had Emmanuel Sanders holding out hope that he would uh, come back, but that ended, so I dropped him. Um, but let's continue to finish this show, actually, with my call-out. And I'm calling out football media, and specifically national media, because why is everyone, not just some people, not just a majority of people, why is everyone picking the freaking Buffalo Bills? Yeah, that's weird. Like, to win the Super Bowl... There is, this is the NFL. There is nothing that cut and dry on week one. Like, they played a night against the LA Rams. They're favored against the defending Super Bowl champions after a cross-country road trip. Like, come on. I get banner nights can be a trap sometimes. The, the Penguins did it to the Tampa Bay Lightning last season. But it's the Rams. I get the Bills are very good as well. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills won the Super Bowl because they're that good. But the amount of people that are saying the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl, hands down, and the amount of people that are saying Josh Allen's going to win MVP, hands down, is ridiculous. Like, it, it is a tried-and-true betting thing where if everybody in the national media says so, fade it. Everybody is saying the Buffalo Bills. I didn't have them as my Super Bowl pick. This just re, this just reiterates the fact that I'm not taking the Bills to win the Super Bowl, especially because the odds reflect this as well. Like, Vegas, like I said, they're favored on the road tonight against the LA Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, on a cross-country road trip. That's ridiculous. And also, they're so favored to win the Super Bowl. You're not getting any any value picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I'm getting barely any by picking the Kansas City Chiefs, but at least my odds are plus 1,000. Because it's every, every, uh, at this far out, everyone has decent odds. But yeah, the Bills? The Bills? The Bills are plus 350. Eh, I know nothing about betting. You. You you get better underdog you get better underdog odds just betting against the Yankees money line. Nice, nice. Yeah. And the Yankees have sucked for two months, so still. Yeah. No. Or, it, sorry, I should say the Dodgers makes more sense, but. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the Bills, the Bills. I like like I like the choice. I like the idea of them winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ju- that's just hard to do this far out, and the fact that it's almost unanimous is the weird part right like not a single person was like hold on guys hold on they failed for so long there's not one like big brain that's like they have failed for so long and they're going to continue failing the way i look at a lot of hockey teams or or goalies like Mm -hmm. come on how does not one person go yeah they're gonna keep losing they're gonna play kansas city again it's gonna go to overtime again you know how that goes yeah and the last thing i'll say on it is yeah the buffalo bills are a great team yeah, the Buffalo Bills should be able to just walk through their division. And have a but, great chance at winning the Super Bowl, no lie, but ugh, everybody? But look at the AFC is my other thing. Like, the AFC is a murderer's row of talent. Just the AFC West alone, like, uh, uh, that that is ridiculous. And that takes out the Bengals, who won the dang conference last year. It takes out the Ravens, who I think are going to be much better this year. It, your base it takes out the Colts, who have one of the best running backs in the, in the league. It takes out a lot of guys, and the Bills are just sitting there. It's like they weren't they were great. Don't get me wrong, they lost to the Steelers on opening night or on opening day at home last year. 
So one, I'm not taking them tonight. And two, I'm not taking them with plus 350 to win the Super Bowl. It's kind of ridiculous that so many people are. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We'll be back next week with more to discuss. The opening week of Penguins Rookie Camp. Getting ready for that and everything else. And one last little quick clerical thing just to make sure we don't copy and paste it incorrectly. If you have watched Penguins Lunches and would like to listen to them, starting yesterday with our interview with Danny Shiree, they will be available on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast feed anywhere you get your podcast from. So every other week, you'll get a bonus podcast on Wednesdays. But that's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, Penguins fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.